This is Contrasume, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault. On today's show, I am joined by Matthew Simpson, who is a film critic and one half of the excellent pod, the Awesome Friday Movie Podcast, where he and co-host Simon Best recently relaunched their show where they review new movies each week. Today, we are talking about the 40th edition of the Vancouver International Film Festival, which runs from October 1st to 11th, both in person and online, as we are previewing what films we are most excited for. Welcome to the show, Matthew. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm I'm not doing too bad either. Uh, so I got a, a question for you. Uh, how many times have you have you covered VIF before? And sort of like, what are your overall thoughts on this festival? Uh, well, VIF is probably my favorite festival just because uh, it's the biggest one that I happen to be local to, living in Vancouver. And I've been covering it for the podcast and or blog since 2014. I missed a couple of years since the, in the middle there. Um, I think I missed 2017 and 2019, if I remember correctly. Um, but I've covered it basically every year since 2014. And do you find that the selections are, are usually top notch for you? Usually, yeah. It's not as big a festival as like, you know, the TIFFs of the world. Um, uh, but usually, and usually, like, whereas TIFF is a big, like, sales festival, um, not a lot of that kind of stuff, at least not noteworthy stuff like that really happens at VIF. So by the time we get big titles, they usually already have deals, and it's really sort of just a chance to see them early. Um, but I like that. So it works for me. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm very excited. This is my first time covering the festival. I am a new transplant to the West Coast. So it's the first time I've actually really paid attention to it. And I'm, I'm loving the lineup this year. So I'm very excited. I personally have put a, p- a few restrictions on my list today. Uh, if, a, if a film appeared on our TIFF preview show or even my blog, The Most Anticipated Films for the Rest of the Year list, I am excluding it so as to not repeat myself. That said, I place no restrictions on you, Matthew. Uh, did you have any criteria for coming up with your list? I really didn't, actually. Uh, the only, I guess the only really real criteria I had was if I had seen it before at a prior festival because I have covered a few festivals this year so far. Um, but they're actually, of all the, the sort of big stuff I actually want to see, hasn't really uh, played at anything I've had the opportunity to see it at. So Awesome. Well, then I guess let's get right into it. What is your first pick? And, and tell me a bit about it. Uh, so uh, you probably, I think you probably talked about this. I didn't actually listen to your TIFF preview episode. I listened to your TIFF wrap-up episode and you talked about this movie. But uh, I'm looking forward to The Power of the Dog which is Jane Campion's newest movie and her first movie in, what, a dozen years? And also her first movie with a male lead in Benedict Cumberbatch, which um, tells the story of uh, two brothers fighting over a woman and there's a dog involved. And honestly, that's all I know about it and that's all I want to know about it. (laughs) Um, I know that uh, lots of people will go into these movies trying to find out as much as they can ahead of time, but when when I hear about a film like this one, uh, I want to know as little as possible going in uh, all i know for sure is that everyone is talking about benedict cumberbatch's performance and that is very exciting to me mm-hmm. i feel like this is going to be a bit of a, a common theme through my picks as well where there's just one name involved where that's enough for me to be like okay i don't i don't really want to know more about it uh let's just go straight into it uh, yeah and to be to be totally honest like i'm a huge fan of jesse plemons and uh kirsten dunst and i really like cody smith McPhee and like this, this, the the cast of this movie is completely stacked. Um, but everyone's talking about Cumberbatch, uh, which is good. And I think he's a good actor, but I don't 
necessarily like him as much as, as a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's an, uh, it's an interesting year with, he has actually, uh, it's not on my list, but he has two big films in the festival this year. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to be, the interesting thing about me being anticipating this movie is that it's only playing once at the festival. It's only playing in person and it's on a night that's really awkward for me to go to. So I don't know if I'll actually get to see it. <laughs> that That's completely fair. I, I feel the same way about Cumberbatch where I really like the first two seasons of Sherlock. Other than that, I've been mostly meh on him overall, especially in a lot of his movies. I like him as Doctor Strange, but uh, but yeah, I find he just isn't a serious enough actor for me, I guess. I, I, I don't quite know how to word what it is that doesn't quite work for me. But yeah, hearing I, all this I praise, he, I'm I'm very excited about him too. Yeah, to be I, you know, honestly, I think he's a good actor. I really like Sherlock. Um, I think he was let down by the end of the writing at the end of Sherlock. Yeah. Um, I just think he makes a lot of bad choices. Uh, not so much in terms of like his performances, but the roles that he chooses. Sometimes I'm like, really mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. you. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on to what my first movie that I'm excited about. And that is red rocket, which is the new Sean Baker film. Uh, he previously directed the Florida project in tangerine this is a movie that stars Simon Rex, uh, who is a washed-up porn star who returns to his home in small-town Texas, where he starts kind of getting up to no good and tries to mentor a young teenage girl. This is one of the things where, much like your pick of The Power of the Dog, the, the, the plot of this film doesn't really matter. I'm just excited about this, being a fan of Sean Baker's for the last few years now. After you know, the breakthrough shot on the iPhone frenzied film Tangerine about uh, two trans prostitutes on a journey and sort of the the underseen poor areas of neighboring Disney World and the Florida Project. I'll really, I'll I'll watch anything that he directs as he continues to kind of create these stories of people often ignored by most most filmmakers and society as a whole. Yeah, and so I should go back and say I did have one of the restrictions on my list, and that is that I didn't pick anything that I knew was on your list. Um, and this is definitely on my list as well for all the same reasons. Yeah. Yeah. We've now, we've now seen that Sean Baker is, is such a unique talent in the way he crafts his stories and the way he is able to turn his lens onto people that just really don't get their stories told. This one actually kind of seems like very different from both the Florida project and the, and Tangerine. So I'm very curious to sort of see where it goes uh, there's been no footage of this released yet. Uh, I've heard the reviews out of, I think it was Khan, were very positive for this movie. I don't know if it'll be an Oscar player like the Florida Project was, but I'm definitely sort of curious about it. Yeah, I mean, again, everything you said is true, and they're all the same reasons that I'm excited to see it. He also has a really naturalistic style of shooting, which I really enjoy. Um, and yeah, it's an exciting he also tells stories of, you know, lesser seen people in society, which is, you know, oftentimes we get these stories, um, especially in the prestige TV era where, you know, it's a story of America, but it's rich people. It's always rich people. (laughs) And Sean Baker's stories are very much not about rich people. And I appreciate that. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely right. All right. What is the next film on your list? Uh, Let's go to... Uh, I'm sort of jumping on my list. It's not in any real order, but let's go to Joaquin Trier's The Worst Person in the World, which is the story of a young woman called Julie. as She navigates her life um, over the course of four years. And this is another one where I don't really know that much about it. Um, 
I know that she's a terrible person and I know that <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, I was a huge fan of one of my favorite films at the, the festival in, I think it was 2018 was a movie called uh, Thelma, which was also direct written and directed by Joaquin Trier. And basically from that point forward, I've been like, Oh, he's got a movie. I'm going to see it. <laughs> um, and yeah, this one is a story. It follows four years in the life of this young woman, and uh, that's that's all I know. That's all I want to know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that's a, that's an interesting one. I'm not familiar with the filmmaker, so it's new to me. But this movie has been getting a lot of buzz. It played really well at TIFF, and it's being distributed by Neon, and they're having a, a pretty great year themselves this year. So mm-hmm. I think that's just going to add to the excitement for a lot of people. If you sort of say like A24 or Neon, you're definitely going to get some people with their ears to perk up. Yeah, and if you're in Canada, um, Elevation Pictures. They're nice. the ones. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they, they distribute uh, almost all of A24 stuff. Nice. Here in Canada. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah, that's, that's one where other than seeing the poster and, and hearing about the rave reviews without actually reading them, like I... There's this weird thing. I don't know if you're the same way or not, but you'll be you'll see stuff on on Twitter or wherever else, and you'll be like, "Oh, this gets a standing ovation at Cannes. Oh, this is you know everyone's talking about this at uh, New York Film Festival, whatever it is." But I don't actually read the article or the review because I'm just like, "Okay, I know I'll see it in like less than a month. I, I don't want to know about it." <laughs> oh, 100. percent I actually anything that I I've gotten to a point in my life where anything that I actually want to see, I purposefully avoid reading other people's reviews just because I don't want my own thoughts colored. And I even, to to some extent, um, and the most recent thing I did this with was Midnight Mass, which is a new series that just debuted on Netflix, which uh, you should totally see because it's amazing. Um, I actually go into like social media and like mute words related to it. So I can't even have like social reactions happening in my feet. Uh, and it's actually made my life a lot better. It's it's almost surprising how if we actually like spend a bit of time and sort of curate a bit of the garbage out of our lives, how much better our social media experiences would be overall. <laughs> oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like there's a re- there's a reason that I don't post to TikTok very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's get this train back on track. The the next film I'm excited about is uh, Petite Maman. And, you know, like I said, it's going to be a bit of a trend, not knowing a lot about some of these films. All I needed to know is that this is directed by Celine Sciamma, and that has me sold. Um, all I sort of know about it, and I try, I tried my best to really not even find this about, but all I know about it is that it's about this young girl who is magically able to interact and have, like, playtime with her mother, who is now the same age as her. And these two young girls are played by sisters. I, I don't know if they're twins or not. I'm trying not to look too much into it. But frankly, I don't even want to know any more than that after the perfection that was Portrait of a Lady on Fire, as I now wholeheartedly trust Skiama. I, I haven't seen her earlier works. I know that's a big blind spot for me. But after seeing Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, I will I will go to the ends of the earth to see anything that Skiama does. Uh, and rightly so. Um you're right. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is basically a perfect film. Uh, I haven't seen too many of her earlier works either, but Girlhood, uh, which was her uh, the immediate... Actually, that's not true. I'm just looking at her filmography right now. I've seen Girlhood and I've seen Tomboy, and they're both excellent. Uh, and I'm in the same place as you. If she's making a movie, making a movie, I'm going to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sort of weird, weird magical realism is also directly up my alley so it's, it works for me and it sort of is interesting because for anyone that had seen portrait of a lady on fire it's just it's such a a deeply personal and 
and very romantic and sensual film. And, and this seems, while it still seems very personal, seems so different in the fact that it's almost being described as sort of family friendly, which I, I don't know how, like, I can't imagine what that is, but I, I don't even really care. Like there's some directors where like, you'll hear that they're doing like a drastic tone changes, genre changing. You're like, I don't really know how that's going to play out here. I'm like, cool, let's bring it on. Let, let's see what she's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause uh, even like girlhood is a story about five young women in, uh, in their teenage years. And even it's quite different from like it's it's a little closer to Portrait of a Lady on Fire than I think this is going to be, but it's still you know very different and unique in its own way. Mm. Interesting, yeah, yeah. This is yeah, this is one where I think I've muted it on on Twitter as well. Other than when it first screened, hearing all the rave reviews about, it, I'm like, all right, I, that's enough. I don't need to know any more about this. Uh, there's a trailer out for it. I've not watched the trailer. I won't watch the trailer, and I really, really hope I can catch this at VIF and that it. It lines up exactly with uh, with my availability as well. Yeah, and this is another one. So I mentioned Power of the Dog is only playing one time, and it's playing on like the last Monday at nine fifteen p.m., which is just awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is only playing in person, and it's only playing on the last Sunday at nine nine p.m. So it's again, it's it's a bit of an awkward day. But at least the next day is a holiday, so probably speaking, people can stay up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure it'll be a, a hot ticket to get. What is yeah. your next film? I'm going to go with, and I sort of debated adding one of two to this list, but this is a French film called uh, Paris 13th District, um, or in French, Les Olympiades. Um, and it is based on the story um, uh, by a New York cartoonist called Adrian Tomin. And uh, the story is called Killing and Dying, and it's a collection of short stories. And the plot of this one, it doesn't have very many reviews out there um, that I've seen. And the plot is actually very much so under wraps. Uh, but the reason that I'm going to include this one, there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, Noemi Merlin is in it, and she, of course, from Portrait of a Lady on Fire and also uh, Jumbo last year, if you saw that. Um, but also, and this is a thing that I, a trend I noticed uh, a year or two ago at a VIF is that every year at VIF, I see a French movie that I fall in love with, <laughs> and I'm kind of hoping this will be that one this year. Basically, um, yeah, there's two things I tend to concentrate on at VIF, and one is Canadian film, and one lately has been French film, and uh, I just because you just never get to see them here in Canada. So mm-hmm. uh, this one, there's another one that I'm gonna mentioned as an honorable mention later um that uh, i'm just hoping will be that that french film for me this year right okay well yeah this is one i'm completely unfamiliar with so the fact that you're talking about it makes me curious about it too and i'm gonna look more into it as well but yeah i i I know nothing about this movie and the title wasn't even on my radar so i'll have to check it out but uh but i agree with you this this idea of, of film festivals are sort of nice where you have the ability to sort of key in on a few markets that we don't normally get wide distribution or show up on like all the big streamers or something like that. And, and you're able to sort of check them out. And yeah, French films, that's a, that's a great way to do it is through festivals. Well, there was even like, and what's frustrating about it to me is that there was a film at a VIF a couple of years ago. Um, what was it called? I was about to say it's, it's, I really loved it. It was one of my favorite years of uh, films of that festival. I think it was called Who You Think I Am. 
um, starring Juliette Binoche. I'm pretty sure it was 2019, so let me just bring it up here. Yeah, Who You Think I Am. It's an excellent movie about a woman who basically catfishes a younger man. Uh, you can't find it here. You just can't. Uh, so that's the type of movie that at film festivals like this one, I will kind of go out of my way to see. And sometimes they're good, great, and sometimes they're not great, but I will otherwise not have had, had the chance to see it. So I, I tend to do that. Nice. Okay. That's good to know. So the next movie on my list is one called Benediction, which not to be confused with Bendetta, the Paul Verhoeven uh, sexy nun movie, but Benediction <laughs> is uh, the new Terrence Davies film. Very, very different, uh, which stars Peter Capaldi, Jack Lowden, Simon Russell Beale, and Jeremy Irvine. But the, the film covers bisexual poet Siegfried Sassoon, who was a critic of World War I while being an officer of the English Army. Sort of much like how the the Brian Wilson biopic Love and Mercy covered the singer's life in two different eras. This film is doing the same thing with Capaldi playing the older version of Sassoon while Loden plays the younger one. Uh, queer filmmaker Davies is sort of like the perfect vessel to to bring us someone who is as, as complicated and important as Sassoon. I'm not familiar with his poetry, but I am familiar with his uh, well-regarded nature of of in England of being sort of a, 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 not quite a pacifist, but someone who is a, a very harsh critic in, in trying to get England out of the great war. If you have it. Yeah. This one is on my list as well. Uh, it's not quite as high. Uh, I might've mentioned just as an honorable mention, but uh, definitely the same guy who made the deep blue sea with Rachel Weiss and Tom Hiddleston is a good choice for this kind of story. Yeah, I have never yeah. seen any Terrence Davies films, uh, so so I'm hoping to sort of rectify that and, and get onto his bandwagon because I know he is quite a popular filmmaker. I know his films have never really, really broken through with the mainstream as far as being you know the the big prestige release type of thing. But I know he is very well regarded, especially uh, in in UK cinema. Yeah, he's definitely one of those guys who you hear about him at the end of the year. Uh, because he's made some film that critics loved but didn't really get a lot of play. Uh, uh, but, you know, we have the power to spread that information. So let's do that. Absolutely. Okay. What is your fourth film? Ooh, I'm going to go with a uh, Spanish film. And similar to my little treatise on French film, Spanish film also. So everything I just said, but also Spanish film. Uh, and this is... Um, called Official Competition, and it stars Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas and Oscar Martinez, and it is about a billionaire who impulsively tries to create a movie, and he wants to make an iconic movie, and it is, from what I can tell, a send-up of filmmaking, of prestige filmmaking, and I find it... I've uh, I've actually... Once I sort of figured out what it was, I it's one of those ones where I sort of stopped trying to find out more about it. But if you have a chance to watch the trailer, which doesn't really give anything away as far as I can tell, um, it looks hilarious and fun, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, this is this is a movie that made my uh, TIFF list as well that I, I had hoped to see, but I wasn't able to. Yeah, the, the first thing for me that popped out was this hilarious image that they're they're using the press kit of Antonio Banderas doing this wacky dance while wearing this outrageous outfit and then Penelope Cruz with this gigantic curly wig on and, and that was enough to really pique my attention the fact that the two of them I really feel have been doing some terrific work in in Spanish language cinema the last few years obviously through their entire careers mm -hmm. Banderas especially I feel like 
he's basically two different people completely. There's, you know, the, the work that he does in, in English language cinema, I, I feel like isn't that great. But anytime he's working in Spain or in Spanish language cinema, especially as his work with Almodovar is just absolutely off the charts. Um, his recent Oscar nomination, of course, as well proves that. And I'm hoping this is just sort of a continuation of that. And the fact that he's playing someone so goofy and ridiculous, he's basically supposed to be this like, I don't want to call him like a pop star, but basically the, a pop star of the acting world. And he's opposite Oscar Martinez, who is this very serious thespian. And so the two of them are really clashing because they're supposed to be playing brothers. And I'm just very curious and excited for, for that dynamic and what Ben Darish will bring to that. Yeah. And I, I actually, I disagree. I, th- I think Ben Darish is sort of always a win. Um, I, I, I think he, when he pops up in things, especially interestingly, when he pops up in a supporting role in something, I always really enjoy his presence in a film and I think he makes really interesting choices. Uh, but definitely when, in his recent, yeah, his recent output of Spanish language stuff has been, you know, top tier. Mm-hmm. So I'm very, very excited about this movie and same everything. Again, everything we just said about him also Penelope Cruz, who I think, you know, when she first broke big in Hollywood, she was just the hot new Spanish actress, but, um, She's actually a really super good actress, and every time she shows up, I'm I'm glad that I saw her. Basically, so yeah, yeah, you're 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 right on that. I, I feel like she she also much like Benedict Cumberbatch sometimes chooses not the best movies, especially when she's in comedies because they only seem to know how to play up her looks, and that's about it. Um, but anytime she's in in dramatic films, especially Spanish films, she she's so good. Yeah, there's definitely been a few films where it's uh, it's a it's a comedy. Yeah, you're, I think you're right about the comedy thing, where it's they're basically just put her down and say, "Okay, be as Spanish as you possibly can be," and yeah. and that you know that's f- funny to American audiences, but it's kind of played out. Yeah, absolutely right. All right, so the next film that I am looking for is one called Saint Anne, which is both directed and starring Rain Vermette. This film actually won the award for Best Canadian Feature at TIFF, which, you know, is not only a big honor, but it bested several other really great films that were playing during that festival. So this makes me even more curious and excited about the film. Uh, Vermette stars um, as a woman who is returning to her Métis community that she left behind as she attempts to sort of navigate the delicate ecosystem they have in place. That's really also all I kind of know about it, the fact that it one best Canadian feature is is a really big selling point for me and, and makes me really interested to see it. I think as a Canadian film critic, you know, I, I do my best to try to stay on top of Canadian films. And, and much like you, I think we have a bit of a responsibility to make sure that we are covering films being made in our own backyard, especially since it so often gets ignored by international media and even bigger mainstream media outlets in our own country. And and so this idea of, I really should be on top of the, the better names, the, the, these films that just really don't get the attention that they deserve. And that's something that I'm really trying harder to be better at. Um, And I'm sure that's something that you can, you can sort of relate to as well, where sometimes it feels like it's a bit like doing homework that you don't really want to be doing, but you really feel like you should be doing it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always feel like I don't ever regret watching a movie, so I don't ever feel quite that way about it. But, um, I definitely, especially in the last, like 
So I, the, I've had my website for quite a long time, coming up on nine years now. And I did, we definitely took a, like a long hiatus before we relaunched uh, mid last year. And since that time, especially I've, I really have tried to watch a lot more Canadian stuff whenever I can. Um, and in sort of cultivating relationships with Canadian PR firms, I've had a lot more opportunity to do so. And it's always been a good choice basically. <laughs> um, and uh, this one is on my list as well. Uh, almost entirely. I don't really know anything about it at all. Um, uh, but it did knowing that it won the, the best Canadian feature at TIFF piqued my interest and basically automatically added it to my list. So nice. Well, yeah, then I'm glad you're doing that important work. And, and yeah, I, I agree on, on all those things as well. So we are nearing the end of our list. What is the fifth movie you want to see and talk about? So this is um, it's one that uh, has very good reviews. It's uh, there's a lot of Oscar talk about it. Uh, it was very well received at TIFF, and it is Kenneth Branagh's new film Belfast. Um, interestingly, the reviews of this are actually kind of div- divisive, uh, at least on Letterboxd. But I I <laughs> this is a film that I came at a little bit backwards. Normally I hear about people who are in a movie and then I go, Oh, I should see that movie. Uh, this is one where I watch the trailer and I'm like, I'm going to watch that movie. That looks like the, my kind of movie. Uh, and I didn't even know, like I saw, Oh, Jamie Dornan. Oh, Catriona Belf, Belfi. And, uh, and I didn't know that Kenneth Branagh was even involved until after I saw the trailer. So, um, but you know, it has Jamie Dornan singing and dancing and it tells the story <laughs> of the director's childhood and it's shot in black and white. Like this is the exactly a film nerds kind of movie. If you ask me, yeah. <laughs> you yes. know, I, interestingly, I was listening to your, uh, TIFF roundup episode, your TIFF finale episode where you were talking, mm-hmm. you and, um, um, your and co-host Rachel. name, Rachel. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel. Um, we're talking about this film and, Everything you were saying, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, uh, this is exactly what I want to watch, basically. <laughs> uh, but the way the way I was thinking about it after that, and like, you know, it's from a director telling a story of his childhood. It's shot in black and white. Are they just remaking Roma? <laughs> um, or are they just at least you know checking the same boxes on the list? But uh, either way, I uh, I'm into it. I really like everyone involved, and it looks gorgeous. So. So I'm I'm excited to see it. It's also one of the ones I know for sure that I can see. So it's that helps a lot. There you go. I'm I'm glad you brought up the the Roma comparison because that was my and a lot of people's initial thoughts when when word was sort of trickling out of it. This it's like oh it's Ken Brana revisiting his childhood and it's going to be in black and white and it's about his homeland and it's like wow this sounds a lot like uh, a movie that almost and should have won Best Picture a few years ago. That's very interesting. And then when the trailer came out, I watched it and I was like, oh, it's going to be nothing really like Roma. Roma was, you know, a much more serious natured film and, and focused on a different side of an indigenous community of, of, of Mexico that just isn't really talked about. In, in Belfast, seems almost completely opposite where it's, it's through this young boy's eyes, not necessarily through the housekeeper's eyes. And so everything kind of has a lot more childlike wonder to it. So it's going to be interesting because, because Brandon has directed a few kids movies in the last few years. And and frankly, they were not well received at all. And and as we talked about in TIFF wrap up episode, the big, the big thing for me is 
is this Branna of you know the past decade where it's basically just been bomb after bomb, or is this Branna back from the 80s and 90s where he was considered the greatest artistic talent in the world? So to be honest, I don't I don't 100% agree that all of his films are bombs or bad. Um, I actually really liked his Cinderella, and I adored Murder on the Orient Express, cartoon mustache and all. <laughs> um, but he also, at the same time, he definitely made Artemis Fowl, and mm-hmm. he definitely made Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. So he's definitely, you know, he seems, to, for me at least, for my taste, he tends to be either uh, one extreme or the other. I tend to really like his stuff, or I tend to not so much. Um, uh, but either way, I just basically, I just hope that it is, you know, this is one of the ones at the, the right extreme. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, Hey, I'm completely fine with, with dissenting opinions. I'm, it's, it's nice to hear that. I, I was middling on, uh, murder on the Orient Express. I didn't hate it, but yeah, a lot of the, the other stuff that he's been doing in the last little while, I really have not been super positive about, but as we now know with the TIFF people's choice award winner, it seems like Belfast is basically all but guaranteed a Best Picture nomination at this point. So there's going to be at least a sizable majority of people that really, really do like this film, even if there is going to be a possibly loud minority of people who are pretty against it. Yeah. And so, you know, I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm, I'm a little bit older now. And I realized a year or two ago that um, Oscar wins are great, but they don't actually really mean anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it win, if it gets nominated for Best Picture, if it wins Best Picture, I think that's great. Um, and I know that, like, fi- financially, there's definitely a consideration there. But ultimately, like, every year there's films that I think are worthy of Best Picture that don't win or don't even get nominated. Um, so I, I don't. I, and I, and to be clear, like every year I watch the Oscars. We usually live blog the blog the Oscars. I really enjoy watching award shows and watching rich people give each other's golden statues. But at the end of the day, my favorite films of the year are almost never Oscar winners. You know, they're, they're the films that resonate with me personally. So I don't, I don't need it to, to win awards to be something I really like. There you go. Well, I, I like hearing that as well. So the last movie on my list is one called wife of a spy, which is directed by uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Uh, I won't lie, this is a film that I'm mostly excited about due to Viff's blurb. I had never heard of it before, but it claims its influences are Alfred Hitchcock and David Lane, which is enough to get me curious. But ultimately, this is about a Japanese merchant who leaves his wife behind in order to travel to Manchuria, where he witnesses an act of barbarism. His subsequent actions cause misunderstanding, jealousy, and legal problems for his wife. So, yeah, like I said, the fact that you're name-checking Hitchcock and Lean, that has me enough to be like, all right, what what is this movie going to be like? I, I love my period pieces, as Rachel will constantly point out, and she's definitely going to be laughing that I picked this movie. Is this a <laughs> film that you had heard of? It's definitely that I heard uh, one I've heard of. It was uh, going to be on my honorable mentions list. Um, one thing, uh, so not being involved in, in TIFF, and it being a bigger festival, there's always a thing that each festival does really well that isn't that well advertised. Um, so like Fantasia Festival, obviously a big genre festival, but they always do a really good job at certain types of films. Uh, and they do a really good, good job with Asian Asian cinema. Uh, one thing that VIF is always really good about is they have a whole section dedicated to Asian cinema. 
And there's always a few really good films that play in it. And this one looks like it might be one of those this year. Excellent. So I'm glad I'm not off the mark completely. It's it's sometimes tough when you, you're looking at the program, especially on VIF's website, which is a little hard to navigate where you're basically only having a, you have to go through each page sometimes to see everything. And oh, I don't, Tiff, uh, VIF's website is, is, and like, I'm sorry to the directors of VIF who I am minorly acquainted with, Mr. Woloshuk, uh and Inez, the PR person, but your website is garbage. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's so bad. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one then. But yeah, it, it's it's a little tough when you're you're basically looking at a you know a slate of a hundred plus films, and and I don't have the time, frankly, to read every single blurb and learn about every single movie, which which is a is a big ask of anyone to do. And so you're basically going on, okay, is there any titles I recognize first? Okay, so now I've recognized the the half a dozen to a dozen that I, I have already heard of or have heard from elsewhere. Are there any names that I'm seeing pop out in the, you know, the little preview of the blurb that you see, whether it's a director or a star or something like that? And then from there, you can kind of narrow it down a little bit more. And then after that, you're basically being like, does the image that they have supplied look interesting enough for me to click on it to read more about it? And Wife of a Spy was just one of those movies for whatever reason when I'm scrolling through. I saw the picture. I'm saying, oh, that seems interesting. And then the preview of the blurb, it says Hitchcock. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll read about that. And, And sure enough. It was now one that I'm, I'm curious about. Yeah, here's a, a tip that I found recently uh, that all might help is that uh, Viff recently uh, added themselves as an HQ on Letterboxd, and they have a, a Letterboxd list that lists everything that's going to be playing this year. It's 146 films in the list, um, and it's a little bit easier to go through than the Viff website. There we go. I'm going to link to that in the show notes, and I'm definitely going to check that out myself because I wasn't aware about that. And yeah, the the VIF website definitely has a bit of problems as far as um, user compatibilities. Uh, yeah, and it's really frustrating. It's it's bad enough that like I've actually thought about, and I just don't have the time to do this. Otherwise, I totally would. But I've thought about literally like digging into the code and reverse engineering their their. Uh, database API API calls and making my own front end for it, <laughs> and uh, and offer your services to fix it afterwards. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, did you have any final honorable mentions? Either either ones that neither of us have said, or any on my list that you really are, are curious or excited about? Yeah, there's one more French film. It's really the only other honorable mention I have, but it's called Everything Went Fine. Uh, it's starring Sophie Marceau and it's directed by a guy named Francois Ozon. Uh, and it's about uh, a woman who has to go home and take care of her father who's had a stroke. And it seems like exactly the kind of movie that would be nominated for all kinds of awards if it were American. Um, I'm sure it'll be up for some Césars unless it's, unless it's terrible, but it's French. There's not a lot of reviews of it out yet. But I really like Sophie Marceau. I'm really interested in seeing how she transitions from being the sort of femme fatale type character she was in the 90s and early zeros to being a slightly older presence in film. And uh, and again, like, you know, every year there's at least one French film that I fall in love with. So I try and see a bunch of French films. And this is one of those. There you go. Um, yeah, I have, I have three that, uh, I'm, I'm curious about. Uh, first one is, is Bergman Island, which I hope I don't butcher, uh, name, but it's directed by, uh, Mia Hansen-Love, I believe is how you say her name. Uh, but yeah, 
title alone has me curious. You know, a, a Swedish film by Bo Bergman? Interesting. Okay. Uh, I've, I've watched the trailer for it. It definitely looks a lot more dark and depressing than I was sort of expecting. Maybe I shouldn't be too surprised with the name like Bergman in the title. Uh, but yeah, that, that is one that definitely seems sort of interesting. I, I feel like I need to like psych myself up to watch a, a movie as serious as that. On the complete flip side is The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. You, you mentioned it in your Power of the Dog preview of Benedict Cumberbatch has two big films out this year. This is the other one. This is also getting quite a bit of buzz where he is playing a painter who paints cats and he's got a silly mustache and seems very jovial. So it seems like it's sort of the, the complete opposite of The Power of the Dog and we're getting all sides of the batch this year, which is interesting. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually kind of looking. I don't. I don't know if I'll get to see it because it's a, another one that's playing only in person uh, and only on a time that I, it's not really convenient for me. But uh, I'm super curious about it as well. Yeah, and then the, the last one is a documentary about uh, vinyl called Records. Uh, I host another podcast about people's record collections, so this is a uh, subject matter that I am very interested in as well. So I'm uh, I'm mildly curious about that one as well. I'm sure that one will be will probably be a bit easier than some of these titles to watch because I believe it's playing on the digital platform as well. And I feel like a lot of the titles that we have mentioned are mostly in person only. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing this year that they're definitely doing a hybrid festival, but the ones that are in person are only in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or sorry, I should say mostly only in person. Um, which is a little bit frustrating because, you know, I know we have all been talking about this for two years, but there is still, you know, a, a virulent disease circling the globe right now. So as much as I'm excited to get back into theaters and I hope that their COVID protocols are good, I'm also super excited to watch movies at home again. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really have been enjoying being able to do digital festivals. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and also just like after, so I started going back to the movies this summer, and uh, it's just it's a it's it's a little bit anxiety inducing to be honest to be in a theater again with so many people, like just to be around. And I work with people every day. Like my job uh, is is customer facing, and it didn't stop during COVID. So I've been around people this whole time, and uh, but going and sitting in a theater. So even if it's only like half full is, is a little, it's a little bit nerve wracking. So <laughs> I, I completely uh, understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, I did actually have one other film I wanted to mention now that I'm thinking about it. And, uh, that is one, the new Jim Cummings film, the beta test. Have you, mm. have you familiar with this film at all? Yes. Yeah. That it also seems a bit of a tonal departure from him of being way more serious than his usual works. Yeah, and you know Jim Cummings is one of those guys who's cultivated quite a following on social media and is sort of an indie an interesting indie voice in filmmaking and uh I'm very I'm excited to see what he can sort of do and this is also this film this film's been making the rounds in festivals since at least Tribeca and I have missed it at every other festival I've covered until now. So it's had a long, like basically, you know, seven, six, seven, eight months of buildup for me to see it. So I'm excited to finally be able to. I'm kind of worried that I'll be a little bit let down by my by my expectations, but it's definitely one I think is worth going to be worth checking out because Cummings is very interesting as a performer and as a director. So it's sort of funny that um, 
when you when you do several film festivals in a year, especially within like a, a short period of time of only a few months, you'll start to see the same titles pop up over and over again. And you're always like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll catch it this time. No, you know, what? I'll catch the next festival because I'm sure it's playing there as well. And then eventually you just sort of run out of runway to watch it. Well, I mean, truth be told, I am. So VIF starts on the 1st. And I'm currently covering Fantastic Fest, which runs until the 30th. And the beta test is playing at both of them. <laughs> so I had to make a pretty conscious choice about which one I was going to watch it at. Uh, and in the end, it's going to be VIF just because um, uh, it just the timing works out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Matthew, so much for joining me today. Where can people follow you and what have you been working on for Awesome Friday? Uh, the easiest place to find me is uh, all my stuff. If to follow me specifically is there, I have a landing page. It's just awesomefriday.ca forward slash Matthew. Um, and that'll link to all my socials and everything like that. Um, but everything I've been working on is on awesomefriday.ca. And that includes, you know, film reviews and film festival coverage and the recently relaunched awesome Friday movie podcast. Um, we are actually recording a new episode of that. It drops on Sundays, uh, and we're recording an episode of that tonight because, uh, and because it's a movie podcast, we're going to be reviewing two TV series this week. <laughs> so it's of course, be, as one does. Yeah, we uh, we have both now seen the new Mike Flanagan series, Midnight Mass, which has become spoiler alert one of my favorite things of the entire year. And my writing and podcasting partner Simon, who does not deal with horror very well. Uh, I basically forced him to watch it. So it's going to be an interesting episode, I think. Well, then I would fall in the camp of of Simon because I am also a little uh, horror unfriendly, but it does look very interesting. Maybe I'll I'll put that that TV show on during the day with the blinds open. Not a bad call. Not a bad call. (laughs) It's uh, to be fair. It's not actually, I would argue it's not actually that scary. Um, if you like, I did write a review that went up last week uh, that I think I'm actually pretty proud of. Um, it's a long review, too. It's like 1,500 words. Um, but uh, I, Mike Flanagan in the last couple of years has become one of my favorite and most consistent filmmakers. And his work with Netflix uh, on these TV series that he's made, it, most importantly, this one and The Haunting of Hill House, but also Dr. Sleep, the film he did in 2019, uh, are, th- are three of my favorite things of the last couple of years. And all of this is at awesomefriday.ca. Yes, I will include <laughs> links to that in the show notes for, for people to check out. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, and lastly, I guess, can we expect more coverage of VIF from you and your show? Absolutely. Um, our schedule is a little bit in flux right now, but definitely there'll be film reviews and interviews and such on the blog through the festival. And then I believe we'll be doing a VIF roundup episode, which maybe I'll invite you to join as well. Um, we'll see. <laughs> uh, probably because we release on Sundays. So I'm not 100% sure of the day just yet, but probably for our episode that drops on the 17th. Great. Okay. Uh, so yeah, people should look forward to that as well. If you want to know more about the festival, check out VIFF.org. You can follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ContraZoomPod. And let us know what films you're most excited about. Send an email to ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Thank you to Eric and Kevin Smale for the theme music and to Stephanie Pryor for the logo design. If you'd like to listen to podcasts on YouTube, we also post all episodes there. Thanks for checking us out. Mm-hmm.